Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Good morning and welcome to the sixth episode of the Jack Duffin Cap Show on the Paul Brown Podcast Network. And yeah, it might be four or five days later, but I am still partying. Browns have won, Baker Mayfield, the future's now, but the Cap Show is all about looking at the future, not just the now. So um, this week we're looking at the defensive line and as Browns fans, we've got a pretty good one, so let's enjoy it and make the most out of it. So let's just look top of the show. We always start with what have we got in terms of cap space. So if you look over over the cap, always the best place to go if you're ever interested in cap, what other teams are doing, um, overthecap.com. They've got us tied in at just under $60 million dollars. Um, it's it would have gone down a little bit, just a couple of, of roster moves, but um, nothing too surprising out there. I still think there's a big move on the cards. Whether it is going to be um, Des Bryant or someone else, I just something's going to happen. Um, we'll get onto Bell at the end of the podcast, but um, I don't think he's coming here. So uh, for all you Browns fans, just sigh of relief. Bell's not going to be a Brown. So uh, that's good news, guys. Um, If you think that's bad news, go back and listen to my first uh, running back podcast. Um, I think it was my second show I did. It'll uh, take you through why it's just a bad idea. So kickers, we brought in Greg Joseph. um, Trick shot specialist, I think. Um, Some questionable kicking technique, um, but it went through the post. So fingers crossed, it'll stay that way. Wouldn't surprise me if we continue looking for another kicker, um, but you never know. At the end of the day, we can get rid of him, and it doesn't cost us anything in the grand scheme. So uh, don't be surprised if uh, he's replaced. And then Rod Streeter. Yep, you've probably just gone who? Um, we just brought him in. I think it's very much as a uh, part-time fill-in at wide receiver until we find someone better. Um, who that will be? I'm not entirely sure. Um, And then we've got the linebacker we brought in, Hines. So um, he'll be slotting in very soon. Um, Haven't got cap figures on him yet. Um, But uh, no, we'll find them out when they come out. So D-line is what we're focusing on this week. I've not really broken it down into defensive end and defensive tackle because... The trouble is it's hard to keep up with uh, comparing teams throughout the NFL if you're looking at them separately. And obviously, you've got some teams, if you look at the um, Rams, probably got one of the most exciting interior D-lines in the NFL, possibly the worst defensive ends as well. Uh, So it can be one of them that it's better to just look at it as a whole package, look at the four, and uh, I'm very much focused on a 4-3 with these podcasts. But um, by all means, you can probably relate and take the numbers across if you wanted to look at it the other way. So we've got 15 players we're paying this year on the D-line. 
So on the active roster, we've got nine, and nine for me is always the number I'd go with. I'd be sort of looking at five defensive ends and four defensive tackles. But in this list, we've got Garrett at 3.9%, which is just shy of 7 million. Smith at 1.5%, which is 2.6 million. Um, Ogba at just over a percent, which is 1.8 million. Ogunjobi, just what a beast, at half a percent, which is just under 900,000. Chad Thomas, the guy no one knows why he's here, at 0.42%, which is just shy of three quarters of a mil. Um, Davis at 0.41%, which is just over 720,000. Zettel, who I thought is a fantastic addition to see what he can do and potentially be that sort of four fifth um, defensive end um, at 0.36%, which is 630,000. Coley. Um, 0.31% of 555,000 and Lawrence which was just a bizarre move in my eyes to give up a 7th round pick obviously it's not the most important thing in the world but I think we could have done better with that um, at 0.27% which is 480,000 so if you're looking at just the roster as a total that comes in at 8.7% of the salary cap which is just under 15.4 million and then if we flip over to the dead cap you've got Danny Shelton at just under a percent at 1.7 million you've got Orchard um, at 0.21 percent which is 377,000 Nassib who's done a fantastic job since he's been at the Bucks I've got some friends who uh, follow them that have been very impressed and uh, Baldy uh, Brian Baldinger I want to say um, did a lovely piece on him just saying what fantastic player he is at 0.13%, which is 222,000. And Cooper is 0.08%, which is 148,000. We've got one player, Jones, on injury reserve that comes in at 0.2%, which is 363,000. And then two on the practice squad, which are each on 0.07%, which is 129,200, which is the minimum. Um, so, all in all, our total cap figure, if we're looking at our D-line, is 9.28%, which is 16.4 million. Which, when I tell you sort of the target of what I'll be looking at across your D-line room, you're targeting about 17%, which is just over 30 million. So, we've got a very, very cheap room at the moment. And I think the biggest factor of this is we're not really paying anyone. If we're going to be honest... You're getting play out of Garrett that is similar to your top pass rushers in the league. And you've got your Donalds and your Max on 25 million roughly. And Garrett's on under 7 million. So that probably could be the bargain of the NFL if you're going to look at any position and a player performing well above his pay. Um, obviously, when he signs that deal and you're going to have sort of the Garrett's, the Ogbers, the Ogunjobis all wanting to get paid... That's going to make it very challenging for us as a team to keep them all around. But uh, if there's a will, there's a way. And hopefully it might be a little bit of sashy money still sloshing around. And we can uh, give that to uh, them guys and keep them here. Because Ogba for me might be a struggle keeping him. Because if you're going to pay Garrett, you're probably not going to be able to keep Ogba And keep a balanced roster. Obviously people will go, oh, what about the, let's say, uh, Texans who have got three fantastic pass rushers, I would say you look at their O-line. 
It's one of the worst in the NFL. And you have an O-line like that when you spend all your money on pass rushers. So it's about keeping a balanced roster. So I think Ogba might be one if he continues to improve. It might be a bit too expensive to keep around. But your Garrett, um, I think, is going to be here for the long term. You, he's tied in for seven years once you've got the fifth-year option and two years of a franchise tag. So once he's sort of signed up to his fifth-year option, we'll start sitting down and we'll do a deal with him. So I don't think that's really an issue. For me, there's still a hole in defensive tackle that we'll address in the first three rounds of the uh, draft this coming season because Ogunjobi's a monster, but he needs a friend. So um, no doubt we'll see that sorted then. So if we're just looking at what sort of your pass rushers, um, a defensive end and defensive tackle are paid, and I know there's a lot of people that like your Danny Shelton's, um, and they've seen yeah, our run defence might not be as good, but I would point to the turnovers, the sacks, and by not having someone like Danny Shelton on the field, you can have people like Ogan, Joby, Garrett, Smith, Ogba, all doing everything they can to just pile on the quarterback, and pass defence doesn't matter. The Saints, they're awful at running the ball, and possibly up there in the top three most explosive offences in the NFL. Obviously, they came up against us in a struggle, but against everyone else, they are lighting them up. So if we look at sort of the four tiers of pass rushers, you've got tier one, which is your very, very best. Your elite players, 6 to 9%. Tier two, 3 to 6%. Tier 3, 1.5% to 3%, and Tier 4 coming in at 0.25% to 1.5%. So if you compare that back to our 9 on the roster, they're very, very, very cheap. You've got Garrett sort of coming in at tier, just the bottom end of Tier 2 money, and everyone else comes in at Tier 4. So it just shows how cheap they are, and however much I love this defence... If you look at the amount of first-round picks on it, it's incredible. And I'll do a look over the defence once we finish it all. But there is a lot of talent loaded up in this that you won't be able to keep long-term. But you build picks, you add talent, and uh, eventually it does show. So if I was looking at my nine um, defensive linemen, here's where I would have them, just from sort of a pure hypothetical situation. Obviously, it changes when things move around, but your tier, I'd have one tier one player um, on a six to nine percent, three tier three players on one and a half to three percent, two first or second round rookies, which comes in at half to two percent, and three players sort of from round three to round seven on 0.25 to five percent. And obviously, they might not be your rookies in the same way we've picked up players that other teams have waived and players on really cheap deals. So when I say they're a round three to round seven rookie, I'm not saying necessarily they are our rookies. They're just that sort of cheap cap number. And these rooms, that's why I sort of pile nine players together and come out with a 17% because it's easier looking at it from a whole, not going, oh, we're missing a tier three player here, but we've got something else there. So it's very much that's where my 17% comes from. So when I'm saying these, I want some of that, some of that, some of that, I'm not telling you that I'm wanting um, in this exact way. It's just where my numbers and logic comes from. So in terms of drafting, how do we get there? So my five defensive ends 
for me, it's one of them rare positions you take them in the first round. If there is top defensive talent like Garrett, um, you go and grab them. And um, for me, there's much better value in cornerbacks than there is in defensive ends. I know it's only a small sample size of three games, but if you ask any fan in the NFL that whether they'd rather have Denzel Ward or Bradley Chubb, hands up, Dorsey made an absolute wonderful call there. No doubt continuing his trend of looking at stuff from PFF as he sat there and read out all of their uh, key stats um, when he selected Baker Mayfield. But the data's there. Um, your pass rush is very important, but your cornerbacks are more important. And I'll talk about that more later on on a different podcast. But then if we flip over to the defensive tackle, for me, I'm looking between the third and seventh round. And for that, the reason is, if you look at how many players come out of college um, with the promise that they can pass rush like an Aaron Donald, they're, they're just not there. Um, I would much rather take a few punts in that sort of third to seventh round and build the talent that way. I'm not really hyped on using first and second round picks. I just don't think the value's there. And I'd have four defensive tackles on my roster because it just gives you the depth. And I wouldn't be looking for anyone who's just sort of Danny Shelton build. I want people like Ogan Joby that can just cause havoc. Um, because when you've got that havoc coming through the middle, and Ogan Joby is the uh, player with the most tackles from de- the defensive tackle position in the NFL. Saw some stats on Twitter this morning. So um, it is fantastic the work he's doing. And when you've got players like Garrett alongside them, they create the space, and Ogan Joby is the one that goes and punishes you. So, in terms of the roster and when it breaks down, so. For me, it's always a four-man front. Obviously, there'll be different packages where you do other stuff, but I'm looking at the mainly as a uh, base of a front four. So I'm working on, I want three defensive ends on my roster that I trust to be starter level. And I want three defensive tackles that I trust to be starter level. And that's because I know in the first game, Garrett played 100% of defensive snaps, but I never want to be that reliant. I want to have three defensive ends and three defensive tackles for each of them two spots and just rotate them because then it means no one's getting gassed. And if we look back to the Super Bowl between the Falcons and the Patriots, the amazing fourth quarter comeback, lots of that comes from the problem the Falcons had in the fourth quarter after facing so many pass downs and so much pass rush that they were gassed and they were knackered because they had no depth. So by having just three players who you can constantly call upon and rotate them and one's resting at all times, just in your base defence, then you're in a much better position to sustain success and uh, deliver. So while there's two other defensive ends and a defensive tackle that you're not relying on starting, one of them's probably going to be inactive each week. And then also coming from a perspective where you're going to have um, sort of crazy packages, your NASCAR package where you might have four defensive ends on the field, all pass rushing. Um, you can do lots of different stuff, but from a pure base, I want six defensive uh, defensive line players that I truly trust and they can get into any different team. And I, I think we're 
there almost at sort of the defensive end role. I think Chris Smith, despite a poor preseason, has looked quite good once the season started. So your Garrett Ogburn Smith has looked good, and but then at defensive tackle, Ogan Joby's pretty much alone. So I think we need to add some depth there. Um, Zettel showed good numbers in Detroit, and I think he could go on to be something. And uh, it's just seeing how that all plays out. I think there's also one name that I'll throw out there and I think could easily be um, a pure defensive end rotation once we get it sorted. It's going to be Avery. Um, I really like him. I think he's been probably our most impressive player um, based on expectation this season because we're all expecting things from Ward, from um, Baker when he came in and from other players have added, whereas no one really expected that much from a fifth-round pick. It's sort of, hopefully they can do something in the tail end of the season. He's came in and exploded, so really, really pleased with him. And uh, let's see if he can move into that um, pass-rush rotation. Obviously, he did have a nice break-up against the Jets, but he's always looked better on the pass-rush rather than um, dropping into coverage. So... That's more or less everything covering the D-line. Obviously, it's linebackers next week. Um, but no, Bell. Bell's an interesting one, which the uh, Steelers have now said they're willing to listen to trade offers. And I'd be surprised if he's a uh, Steeler when the trade deadline comes around. Obviously, his value has been shot to death by James Connor. Um, his teammates aren't happy um, with him, so I think the quicker they can get him out of there and uh, try get a return on investment because at the minute they're going to be sitting there waiting for him to hit free agency, then they can get possibly, if they play free agency right, a third round pick a year later. Um, it's not something you want to be doing. Um, you'd prefer to just get it done and move on. So. I went through looking at the stats and over the cap on player and teams that have sort of got the 17 million they can easily spend, plus they've got a sort of a, a relative need for a running back. And the three that stuck out to me are the Colts, the Texans, and the Jets. Um, the Colts have obviously got a lot of money and their backfield's a mess. Um, the Texans, um, you've got the Marmilla. Um, but I think they could add another weapon and they can easily move on from Miller. And then you've got the Jets, who um, they've not really got anyone who can act as a pass-catching running back um, and do more. So it wouldn't surprise me if they moved on. The Bucks is another one that's been mentioned because Ronald Jones has been that bad. I just don't think they get away with signing him unless they are truly that desperate to keep their jobs because it's very close to being blown up as a... Uh, franchise if it does go downhill later this year. Fitz Magic might run out. Um, however much I'd love him to go on and be MVP of the league just because it'd be the funniest thing I've ever seen, the speech when he accepts. But I think that that could be a wild card, but I think it's between the Colts, Texans and Jets for me. And here's a promise to you guys. Whoever picks that up will be a worse franchise for adding Bell if they potentially give up a first round pick and 17 million. And I'm guessing most of our listeners are Browns fans. We don't want the Steelers to be taking that sort of salary cap off their book and getting a free first round pick for a player 
that just isn't worth it. And you're all going to go, oh, Bell, Bell, the stats. James Conner is just as good as Bell. And probably two months ago, if I'd have said, oh, yeah, James Conner, most NFL fans would have looked at me with a blank face. So let's just uh, hope that the Steelers don't get good value. And um, we'll see what happens. But uh, no, Bell will be on the move. And those are my three favourites for him to sign to. Obviously, as always, guys, hit me up on Twitter with any questions. It's at Jack Duffin, J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N. I'm always happy to answer stuff. Um, Let's just keep enjoying the Browns this season. It's going to be good fun. The future's bright. The future's Baker. But um, have a good week, rest of the week, guys. And there was something else I was going to say. Oh, make sure you... Um, go to iTunes or wherever else you're watching the podcast and just give us a rating, five star, give us some feedback because it all makes a difference because the more people that listen to the show, the better and um, just making Browns fans smarter. As well, just a reminder, go buy um, Zach Moore's book, um, Caponomics, Building a Super Bowl Champion. Go and check out the PFF Forecast podcast. Those guys do a fantastic job. The humour is sometimes a bit odd, but incredible insight, and you're not going to hear much better than them. But have a good week, and uh, shake and bake, baby. The future's now. The future's Baker Mayfield. Yeah.